Welcome to the Sports Analytics Podcast, your source of information you can use along your journey in the world of sports analytics. Through interviews with experts and thought leaders, we'll uncover how data science, artificial intelligence, and analysis tools are being used for competitive advantage in sports. We'll also explore industry trends and career opportunities. So now, hold on to your data, folks, because this program is ready to launch. It will take the computer a few moments to compile the information. Here is your host, Terry Frederick. It all started in 1957 when two American physicists at Johns Hopkins University decided to monitor the Soviet Union's Sputnik 1 satellite, and thus the beginning of the Global Positioning System, GPS. On today's show, we will explore the sports analytics aspects of wearable GPS sports performance trackers and much more. Here's the show. Welcome to this episode of the Sports Analytics Podcast. I have a very special guest today. He is the Director of Applied Sports Science at Catapult Sports with expertise in football. That's American football and soccer, which we say in the U.S., but it is football around the world. So let me introduce today Jamie Hepner. Jamie, welcome on board. Thank you very much, Terry. I'm excited to be here. So, Jamie, let's get started. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and perhaps give a little bit of overview of uh, Catapult Sports does. Sure. Well, um, Jamie Hepner, my uh, role at Catapult Sports is uh, Director of Applied Sports Science for American Football. Um, so, essentially overseeing the, the consulting and, and working with the teams directly in, in aiding them and it can take many shapes in terms of uh, how they're using their catapult data and integrating it, um, you know, from fundamentally to get a actionable outcome. And that, that's the big thing of this stuff. Um, all these numbers are interesting and uh, look cool and it's certainly in vogue, but um, without actions, you know, my, my anecdote is that, Interesting data for fans, but actionable data for for in, from a performance perspective. So um, certainly from like that perspective, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. something actionable that teams can use to you know to help them win. Yeah, if it doesn't change what we already do, then it then it's essentially a waste of time and money. And so um, yeah, that's a big part of big part of uh, I guess taking what they can do and what we set them up with the technology and and I guess um, enhancing that and and actioning on that and. Walking through, and that's relative to teams, right? If you're just getting started and you want some, you know, small outcomes, or just getting rolling, you know, to the big scale, presenting to coaches and and management and things like that. So that's the role. My background is uh, from Australia, so I spent uh, ten years coaching in the AFL in different variety of roles, and spent some time in the Institute of Sports System. Um, but my background has been predominantly strength and conditioning and sports science. Um, with football as my career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe take us through a little bit about, uh, you know, the types of technology that you're using when we talk about this thing called wearable technology. Maybe uh, dive in a little bit uh, on some detail, uh, what what that is. Yeah, it's, a, it's uh, certainly, in, you know, a broad term and developed over the years. 
um, you know, I'll go back to the, I guess, the, the roots, I guess, you know, Catapult essentially invented this category and, and long before I worked for Catapult, you know, I was a, I was a user and believer in it. Um, so a couple guys, you know, essentially invented it and, and started a company to, to develop it. And it, it's grassroots was, um, as most people think about, um, tracking wearables, uh, using GPS position to quantify, um, where, where an athlete is and then use metrics to derive how fast they run and how far they go to essentially, you know, learn from or manage it or, you know, whatever the, the iterations of that might be. But, you know, I tell people that it, 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 it didn't, it wasn't too bad to get to 90% of the way, but Catapult spent the last 10 plus years getting that last 10%. And mm-hmm. in the world we live in, that last 10% is really everything. Um, and so, it's been on, you know, that the, our bread and butter of position and, and, and kind of bread and butter metrics are well established. You know, more recently, we're, we're diving into some more advanced applications. So we have uh, 100 hertz accelerometers on board the, the devices, which give us a, a much greater resolution to, to identify, uh, I guess, finer movements, so sports-specific movements through machine learning. Uh, some good examples. We um, just last year uh, partnered and uh, you know um, helped uh, develop the Wilson Smartball, which also has accelerometers, and we use the in conjunction with the catapult device and the Wilson Smartball to both identify when the quarterback throws the ball, measure how much um, load it was taken to throw it, and then the outcome. So we can measure velocity of the ball, we can measure spiral efficiency, um, and they're only detectable because of the resolution of those accelerometers and you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of video files to validate those equations. So we see that as where really the, the, the next iteration of wearables, the broad term, is going and the, the detail and the layering that on top of multiple data sets to make, you know, more actionable, you know, valid decisions. Um, if Catapult, you know, if you spend a whole bunch of money and time and effort, more importantly, um, looking into the data of to confirm something you could have seen with your eye, then, you know, that can be helpful sometimes, but that, that can be somewhat inefficient. We, we're really looking at the next steps of, um, of what are the things we don't know yet um, that we can start to dig in, not to replace coaching or have machines run the world, right, or even, you know, data science coaching sports teams. It's more about enhancing the coaching decision-making process and fundamentally gaining a competitive advantage. I look, uh, Facebook brought up a funny old video. Sometimes I'm just COVID-19, lockdown, looking through, wasting time on social media. It was an old, like in the 70s. I can't remember. I'm not very good with my US president. So it was one of the presidents and he was sitting there in the, in the 70s talking about how they're spending their money, as a lot of presidents do. And he, uh, he starts talking about this government-funded study and they spent like a million dollars or something, which was a lot of money back then. And he said to enhance the happiness of Americans. And they came up with the answer that the happiest Americans are young, uh, rich, and healthy. Uh, you know, and science has told us this, right? So, you know, from a similar perspective, that if the tech is saying things that, you know, injured players aren't as good or teams with lots of injuries don't win as much, you know, that can validate some things. But we want to go a little deeper. And, and that's where we see the future. Oh, I think you hit it on the head in, in some conversations with some previous guests on my show. If taking this data and getting validation of what your eyes are telling you is is useful, but then also finding where where are there other edges of this data 
that will give you the competitive advantage. Yeah, totally. And I think um, on top of that, the, the, the weight of numbers, right, the, the correlation between multiple events. So you might see something with your eyes today, um, but forget it next week. And those correlations between he's regularly doing this and that uh, enacts with, with poor performance every time we see these markers or, or whatnot. And so that's the, that's the, the weight of numbers and having certainty with, with measuring. So I'm very curious about the work that you have done with Duke University and how your technology and your products are used to help the Duke basketball program. Could you walk me through a little bit about kind of what was done? And the follow-on I have to that is I'm really curious about the process of how that information and that data gets communicated into actionable information for players and coaches. Yeah, so um, I'll certainly share what I can. Um, oh, yes, n- yes. Yeah, n- no proprietary n- secrets, no. <laughs> well, the best part might be, I think the devil's in the detail, right? How right, it's communicated right, to right. Coach K okay. is probably it's probably the secret source of not why yeah, Nick no is so good at what he does. Today. Yeah. Um, but no, Nick Potter's a good friend of mine and just, you know, a, a very credible industry, you know, expert in, in my eyes and many others' eyes, you know, been to a number of Olympics with, you know, when Coach K was coaching the U.S. team and has been around the traps a long time and has a real detailed understanding of the bigger picture of how an athlete plays basketball. They've had a few good ones there. Um, how an athlete, what he needs to do to play basketball and play it over and over again, repeatable, robust um, athletic performance. But also the, the indications of what are flags and how to measure them. And kind of like we were talking before, by the time a guy's hobbling around and you can see it, that's a good skill to have, but that's later in the in the timeline of a potential injury or decreased performance. We, if we can use technology to identify it before you can even see it, um, then that's a big piece. Um, and so I guess that's kind of the fundamental piece and 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 with nothing, um, no diminishing, you know, effect of his knowledge and understanding. And I think that is a big part of it. To, to make sense of these, especially multiple data sets, you've got to know how it pertains to playing basketball or playing football or running. Um, and these, these are big pieces which Nick does an outstanding job of. He's also very intelligent, so he's, you know, can combine these uh, numbers. So we have an indoor uh, tracking clear sky system so they can measure how fast and far and all the positional metrics without being outside for GPS and all the players wear those. We have a number of metrics that um, come from the catapult devices and are collated. Um, some are catapult um, metrics that, you know, come off for any customer, and there are actually a couple proprietary so to speak ones that you know i've worked with nick to 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 look into the specifics of of duke basketball and write some equations um in addition to that um you know i say that catapult is measuring and quantifying what's been done right like the, the exposure to this and we can look at the performance in a certain way but additional measurements to understand the response to any given load so if I if I went and played two hours of football and and uh, Julio Jones did the same thing, you know, measuring both of those sessions only gets you so far. Understanding the players or the athletes' response to that session is um, equals important. So they have a number of technologies that they combine the data sets to gain a bigger picture. Um, also, planned versus actually achieved and measured is important. So if we wanted to do this, did we achieve it? 
and w- were you able to do it to the full capacity like you normally do. All that goes into a big kind of setup or, or um, software. So it's almost, Jamie, it's, it's they're taking all the data that your system is collecting and putting it into a, a database, database or yep. software tools that, that yes. they've Yeah, they are. Yeah. So we actually oh, have a software, okay. you know, in, in the same light. And I think it was more about um, their ability to customize. You know, we, we kind of dabbled in what's called AMS, mm-hmm. you know, that just brings the data sources in. Um, they ended up, you know, building one in-house for the maneuverability, I think, you know, to be able to specifically tweak things. Um, yeah. And I guess they have some smart people at the university that could write the code to do it. So, um, yeah, it's good. Everything down to asking the players how sore they are and, and how they slept and, and these sorts of things, inputting their weight program week to week so they can continue to refine and respond to what you see. The old uh, Mike Tyson you know, comment of everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face is not completely irrelevant to what we do, right? One plan might work one year and, right. and slight changes in the environment might change a player's response or he played too much video games or he sat on a plane a few more times and the same session or plan can yield different results. And if we're not in a position to measure and respond, you know, correctly, um, well, I guess lots of championships and always been in the mix in the final four for Duke probably tells the story better than as good as anything, right, where they're always around the mix no matter what. I, a lot of people ask me or comment, you know, that I think there's a perception out there that programs, not specifically about teams, but programs that win a lot, like Duke and Alabama football and things like this, you know, they have a model, you recruit the best players and you don't really do much and they fit into the coach game model, you have a Nick Saber model and they're automatically superstars, right? I think it's almost the complete opposite to that, that they they are adaptive of getting the most out of their talent and that, yes, they have talented players, but uh, there's this perception that it's this uncompromising model and there's a, there's a minimum standard that you need to play at that level and that is not compromised, but there's a difference between compromising quality and responding to cues to to get what you can out because guys come in at different physical levels even though they're all very, very talented. And that's probably the piece that I see talented programs be able to do it. They identify the challenges, they're able to measure it and prove it where opinion is taken out of the conversation and then make the necessary adaption. Okay, time for a short break. But before we do, here's a sports analytics question for you. There's no question that analytics continues to impact every major sport. GPS-based technologies used by companies like Catapult Sports, which we're discussing today, is changing approaches for player development and game strategy in soccer and other sports. Baseball has moved on from Moneyball to seeing value in taking more pitches, less stolen bases. I mean, we want the dinger with runners on base. And field shifting, to name a few, the NBA three-pointer and load management, NFL teams not using high draft picks for running backs, and trading down in the draft, a la Bill Belichick. But what about tennis? Yes, tennis. What is the biggest predictor of success in tennis? Find out after the break. I want to take a minute and share with you a little more about Catapult Sports. You know, they are a world leader in sports performance technology, providing wearable technology, video analysis, and athlete management solutions to over 3,000 teams. That's right, over 3,000 teams. They're in 39 sports around the world. 
clients include 14 Major League Soccer teams, 29 NFL teams, and many NBA and Major League Baseball teams. Learn more at catapultsports.com. Okay, my question before the break. In tennis, what is the biggest predictor of success? Is it unforced errors or first serve percentage? Nope, it's rally length, short rallies. 68% of all points scored in the first four shots puts a premium on the serve and return game. Although fans love those long rallies, winning tennis is about winning the point early. Okay, let's get back to my discussion with Jamie Hepner of Catapult Sports. You know, where where the edge comes in is, you know, asking the right questions of that data. That is certainly that is certainly the big piece and that's probably, you know, half of my job at least, if not more. If you're asking the wrong questions, you're gonna get the wrong answers. And so I think that's that's basketball IQ, that's football IQ, and that's the that's the bigger picture, understanding where um able to identify the right questions. Right. Um, absolutely. Jamie, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about what role Catapult Sports had in this year's past NFL draft. Can you speak a little bit to kind of what how you guys were involved in uh, that? I can certainly try. You know, it's an, it's an interesting story um, because it's um, a lot of it's second and third hand, right, where Catapult was actively involved, but because of the – you know, short timeline and change in obvious scenario, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, I guess the secrecy of draft, like the inherent kind of, you know, it's so proprietary, teams don't want to give away much. I didn't have a whole lot of direct involvement with many at all, but certainly um, know that we were heavily involved in, in a technology standpoint. And, um, you know, maybe it's my optimism in the role, you know, uh, in my role that I'm in, but, you know, I think there's potential for the the change in approach of, of how we uh, identify talent, and and maybe not, maybe it's a once off year, but I'm optimistic that it is. And so a lot of teams obviously miss pro days. Um, you know, there was there was regulation around FaceTime and, and talking, and they're always wanting to get the most um, that they can. So maybe that's where this thing started. I think it. I'm reading between the lines here. This is not talking to specific teams and knowing this, but um, it. You know, if we can have a more objective measure to football specifics, um, then I think it can it can start to provide a deeper picture. And I'll give an right, I'll give an example. Recruiters sitting in the in the stands, you know, with their stopwatches, looking at forty yard dashes, and that's good. You know, it gives us an idea of comparing a guy that plays in the MAC versus in the SEC, and he's a go route, a go route. You know, that's important. Um, but if we can gain an understanding where all the teams will catapult for every game day on Saturday for the last three years, and I can give you his junior and senior every go around he ran, and we can compare that to whoever you want, um, I think this thing has a very high ceiling of where it could go. And as teams um, buy into the arms race of data analytics and they start to um, see the see the value, um, I think – I'm optimistic that we've only seen the beginning of it. I totally 100% agree with you. As soon as there's a competitive advantage, teams are, teams are diving in. You know, as soon as it works once. And the thing about it is the competitive advantage is temporary. 
Right. It's you better be getting on to the next thing, right. innovating with the next thing. Right. And, uh, because your advantage is only, I call it fleeting. Fleeting, yeah. <laughs> That's right. They, uh, we talk about generational players, but even having one of them, you know, only gets you so far. And uh, right. a bad first round draft pick can hurt you for, a, you know, look at the look at the Browns or whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Certainly the health crisis that's going on right now in the world and COVID-19 is just putting a, a real crimp in athletes being able to train. And uh, I'm curious about, you know, how Catapult Sports is, is you know, helping out with um, soccer teams. And as in Europe, some of the leagues, I guess the Premier League and other leagues, start to find a way to, to come back. It looks like whatever schedules they're going to have are going to be very compressed. And mm. uh, it seems to me that, that your company would have a role to play in, in helping with uh, preventing injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the preventing injuries. There's the adequate amount of you know uh, training doing when you're not around a team with your teammates next year to kind of push you and make sure you you know, do it. It's always easier to train at practice than by yourself. There's a lot of angles to it. Um, um, but, you know, we've been very proactive in our response. We've actually added some um, software aspects and enhancements to enable um, a full kind of capacity of remote tracking and also being able to report that back to, to coaches if you choose. Um, so, look, we've, um, you know, it's been heavily adopted. And it's, it's kind of interesting. This virus, um, you know, we, I've had some discussions recently with NFL clients around the comparison to the 2011 lockout. Um, and there's elements where you want to structure your off-season. When we saw this thing happen, and they had like 15, uh, they had 15 Achilles tendon injuries back then when they had no off-season, things like that. So there's an element of similarity, but this virus is – a lot different in a lot of other ways than we've seen because everyone's in, involved and everyone's affected, um, not just professional athletes that we need to cater for. And so that's been a big part at Catapult where we have, you know, not just professional solutions. So it is your, your, your second-tier soccer teams and I think soccer because it's such a participated sport, we've, we've seen the real uptake, not just from EPL teams or, you know, top-level teams, but guys that take very seriously their Saturday soccer performance or, you know, um, uh, have aspirations of going higher as a 17-year-old or whatever it might be. And so that kind of um, integration for athletes, regardless of having full-time coaches and getting paid millions of dollars, has been really well received and and responded to. And um, even just from understanding what's important uh, and whether that's building capacity for running a whole lot so you're ready for when this season starts up or being able to run fast and making sure that your training is well suited in the off season to to what playing soccer is so there's a lot of element and it's something we've taken very seriously and and I think our you know feedback from not only the elite clients that we have and, and market connection but but also the, the 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 masses so to speak right the the, the multiple players that are around um, has really set us up to, to respond to in the, in the best way. So I have a question for you. Um, I mean, this massive amounts of data that is being collected, and as we go forward, uh, 
and future trends and the use of AI, and you mentioned it earlier, machine learning. Where where are we going with this? I mean, in the next couple of years, <laughs> it almost seems like an exponential growth in the amount of data. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious on your thoughts. Like, where are we going here in the next two to three or five years with all this? Well, I can. Uh, <laughs> that's, well. a, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> depends if all the COVID nineteen movies have rotted my brain yet. It could be Terminator uh, uh, Judgment Day kind of scenario where the Terminators come I back guess. in time and start playing basketball <laughs> for us. Uh, although probably not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's but it's it's big, isn't it? It's like this kind of. You get a lot of angles and comments from old school guys who I talk to about it that um, have this apprehension because maybe it's around job security, right? Like this data, is it going to, you know, see that writing on the wall? That was probably more common five years ago than I've seen more old school guys getting on board because they see, I guess, the competitive advantage, but also the reinforced deficiency that it doesn't work on its own right, um, where the football insight without – the machine learning without football insight um, really is irrelevant or, or basketball insight or understanding that, you know, we didn't have the ball too much and that's why we didn't run very far, you know, or, or whatever it is. Or we, we run more in soccer when we're playing defense because we're losing and we're chasing the opposition or, or whatever it is. You know, context is everything. Um, but But that said, I think – where it goes next is absolutely going to be dictated by um, by need, by the market and the buy-in. And we're, we're seriously starting to see an uptake in that in the, in the recent years, right, where teams are heavily and, and, and even, even um, um, third-party organizations are heavily, heavily investing in that space. Um, and I think that's really going to drive the, the success and continued integration of, of where we see it in the next 10 years. Now, what's it going to be? I mean, your you know your guess is somewhat as good as mine. Um, I think we're going to start to see. I think we're going to start to see real time decisions made on data in multiple sports around the world, where we've got enough confidence in ten years, where a coach has a guy or a team of guys sitting next to or behind him, and they're running numbers on scenarios and things they have confidence in that that dictate tactical tactical moves. Um, and so that can take a lot of iterations, um, um, but the more data you have that you understand and, and buy into, the more confidence we can start to, to build. Um, I think it's going to start to play into depth. I think all sport, basketball, football, soccer, um, you pick Kyle and Murray or Joe Burrow at the number one overall pick, uh, you probably didn't need a GPS to pick that one. But getting a steal mm-hmm. in the fourth round can change your organization. Right, um, and having getting those smokies in later rounds, you know, in all sports, basketball, you know, football, um, I think they're the t- probably the picks that uh, teams will start to maybe use it on um, because there's there's less downside and more up, upside. Right, if you mess it up, it doesn't ruin you, but if you pick a guy that can run all over another team or is just a bruiser that maybe other people you know disregarded, I think I think we're going to start to see that. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of angles. This thing, I think there's probably media engagement as well. I think as that starts to happen and people get more and more intrigued about the what and the why and the how, you know, these things are happening behind the scenes. I think people are going to have an appetite for to see some of those numbers themselves, whether it's on ESPN as you as you're watching the game, or whether it's you know 
you said 20 years ago we're going to have dedicated shows to fantasy football, you know, it would have been, you know, laughter, you know, crazy. And and I don't think that's too far-fetched, whether it's something around like integrated with fantasy football or, or whether it's just as part of the analytics discussion around all sports of, you know, this guy can tackle, he can catch a pass, he can, you know, run down the outside of the court, but here's why. Oh, in the media... In the media, you just uh, you see it much, much more. It's the storytelling part of the game with live analytics that I think you're going to see more and more uh, in, in the media. And media personalities, uh, maybe not some of the old school guys, which is similar to what happened in the sport itself, where you have the old wily veteran scout who just needs to see the players in the gym but didn't want to know the data. But that's changed yeah. now. We know yep. that. Uh, and, and I'm a firm believer that the, the teams that uh, embrace or have the culture of listening to the Wiley veteran scout and fusing that with, you know, the uh, uh, respectfully, the mm-hmm. nerds of the data, uh, the, I, I believe they're the ones that are going to come out on top yes. in the end. Uh, that's, that's my personal um, I got a number of stories that I unfortunately can't share details on of exactly that, and I can say with confidence that it is absolutely happening. And and some of those guys that are the old school, and I'm talking head coaches and uh, you know senior assistants mm-hmm. that are absolutely bought in um, that I never thought would have uh, because they see an avenue to win, and they've got someone that they trust that's not going to lead them down the garden path. Right, it's a, a someone that can put it in perspective, and I think that's only going to grow. Jamie, good stuff. But I did want to ask you one more question, and it has to do with try to cover a little bit on the show for those sports-minded individuals that might have an interest in a career in sports analytics and sports science. What, what kind of advice might you give to someone who's looking to embark in a career in sports analytics? Oh, that's a good question. I think um, – oh. Good question. I think understanding the bigger picture is absolutely important. Other, alongside the obvious, right? You've got to work hard and and earn some skills. And you know, if you want to be an analyst, you've got to be able to sit on a computer for a number of hours and look through numbers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think probably the, the second piece to that is, um, you know, start to fe- developing a philosophy of you know where analytics fits into the picture. So um, running numbers and equations and and providing uh, insights into whatever the GM asks for. That might get you a job and even take you reasonably far. But I think the best work that's been done is guys that have been digging in and running numbers or looking at questions that we don't know how to ask yet. And so going deeper down that rabbit hole. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that comes from basically understanding the perspective and where analytics sits into the bigger picture. It's answering the questions and correlations that that we don't normally because that's why we have coaches and coaches have lived with that for a long time the enhancement of you can never be better at basketball than than the coach and so being good at what you do with with security and so that can be in a number of forms right that can be you know long-term weighted projects that across a three-year stretch this 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 and happen and compounded with you know these other five things we we see this and we shouldn't you know we shouldn't play guys in a six-week stretch so, or whatever it might be. So, whether that's from a you know risk adverse perspective and, and understanding where basketballers get injured or footballers get injured, just from a general perspective can help. The flip side of that is performance, like understanding what wins basketball games. And you don't have to be a, 
a detailed guy or football games. Um, but even just from a general high-level perspective, having that perspective is is really important. If you say that we win more games and score more points and actually have a higher performance output when LeBron plays three out of every four games and you can prove it and you can prove the, the, the worth to us, that's hard to argue with. And yep. that's that's a top-of-your-head example. There's probably deeper scenarios that someone far smarter than me can to dig down that kind of kind of piece but um these are things that have happened certainly in australia 15 years ago was the birth of the investment in sports science there was a team that used to just leave your best players on the ground and there was a team that put them on for five minutes and took them off for five minutes and would just rotate on and off like hockey and they just ran farther farther they ran faster and no one could beat them for three years they went undefeated and that was the start of the arms race it was the early 2000s and it became that because of that competitive advantage. It started there. right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Line changes in soccer. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But running faster wow. wins this game. So it's kind of yes. basic concept. Fantastic. What, what a great answer. That, that That's great advice. Uh, fantastic. Jamie, listen, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy person. Uh, and, uh, I can't be grateful enough for you coming on the show and sharing your insight. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot today about Catapult and uh, learned from you. And so uh, I'll just give you a chance to, uh, if there's any closing words you'd like to say. No, I appreciate the opportunity. And um, yeah, certainly I always enjoy talking about um, Catapult and technology and sports. So uh, it was my pleasure. And I think, uh, yeah, time will tell. I think you, your podcast, which I got a chance to catch up on a couple of times, a couple of episodes, um, is really interesting. And starting to hear from the, you know, mine's one perspective and I'm talking from a performance angle and looking at the, the marrying piece between the, the, the sports specific and the data. And as you talk to more diverse backgrounds and how this stuff is used to get that real big picture of how big this thing is impacting not only our daily lives, but, you know, like sport and elite sport and the decision from everything from salary cap decisions, recruiting to returning from injury. I think it really tells the story and it's one that hasn't been told to the the great detail. And I think we can spend years digging into it, right? Um, so I'm interested to kind of you know, keep tuning in and watch this space. So I appreciate That's the time awesome. to kind of share my experience in it. Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, thanks for listening to some of the shows. But that—that uh, that is the goal of the show, is to kind, kind of dive in and get a broad view across all sports of, of what I feel is this exploding space uh, as we go forward here. So, oh, Jamie, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, with that, uh, I'll just call it a wrap. Please stay safe and well. And uh, hopefully we can get uh, sports back on the field soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Terry. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for the show today. You can find show notes, summaries, and resources mentioned on the show at my website, terrylfrederick.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-L-F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K.com. Please subscribe to my show. I'm in all the directories. A rating or comment helps me make the show better. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.